Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Boring Conversations Anyway, from Krypton to Alderaan. If you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out on Twitter or Instagram at KryptonAlderaan, or send us an email at KryptonToAlderaan at gmail.com. Let us know how you're liking these little mini-episodes. I'm Joey, and with me is Lorelai. Hi, podcast! Yay! And today, we're going to talk about Godzilla vs. Kong, and also our recent Godzilla marathon that I know Lorelai has enjoyed very deeply. Immensely. So, this is a spoiler alert, warning, flashing lights, siren sounds for the 2021 Godzilla vs. Kong, and also for several of the 50s and 60s Godzilla movies. Uh, so I'll introduce this. I have been a fan of these movies my entire life, as far as I can remember. And I have some of my favorites, which we're going to discuss. But last year, Lorelai, you and I watched the 1954 original Godzilla movie. We did. Not the American version with Raymond Burr, just added to random weird scenes. Um, For those of you who don't know, there are two versions of the original Godzilla movie. I guess because it was such a success in Japan, America made its own version and dropped American actor Raymond Burr, a.k.a. Perry Mason, into many of the scenes. And it's very strange and awkward. And so then, for my birthday in November, I bought myself the box set of Godzilla, the Showa-era films which is the box set sold by the Criterion Collection. And it's just so beautiful to look at. It's got this amazing pop art all throughout it. It's got a ton of information. It's like a book. It's like a little, well, no, it's pretty big. It's just not thick. But it's got a ton of fun information and just beautiful artwork. And I really like it. So from that box set so far, Lorelai and I have watched Godzilla, the original, Godzilla Raids Again, the original King Kong versus Godzilla, which is, it's certainly the most problematic one we've watched so far, but it's also weird in the context of the box set because it seems to be the only one that they've included as the dubbed version, not the subtitled version, but I, I, I've read that the subtitled version is a bonus feature. Uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Mothra vs. Godzilla, and Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. So we've barely scratched the surface, but I would assume that those, now that we've watched them, those are the only ones besides the new 21st century ones, Lorelai, that you are familiar with. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, let's talk about your experience with these films so far. (laughs) Okay. How have you enjoyed our marathon? And yeah, how um, much do you love Godzilla? <laughs> how much do I love Godzilla? Um, I mean, I feel like for the older films, now they kind of occupy this place in film history where it's it's fun to watch them, not necessarily because they're good movies, because I don't think they're very good, mm-hmm. but because... It's just fun to watch old movies with bad CGI sometimes. And that, like, obviously, that was state of the art at the time. That was the only way to make a giant monster. But now it's very amusing to watch this guy in a lizard suit stomping around this, like, tiny town that they built. And just the way that they made 
action movies in the past, like the pace and that sort of thing is just so different from the way that they are now. So in that respect, I think they're fun to watch, just like, uh, you know, looking at it as sort of like a little piece of film history. But I wouldn't say that I just like sat down and watched them and enjoyed them. Uh Like... Like, I would just sit down and watch any... Old, like, it's not something I would just put on to, like, have fun watching. Yeah. It's like, okay, now I'm going to watch this old movie that's probably going to be bad, but it'll be kind of funny in its badness. Yeah. I mean, the pace is so slow. Uh, this So, pacing is a huge... I mean, I don't under... I don't really understand the idea behind some of the pacing and the direction. Like, some of the scenes go on too long even for movies from that point in time Mm -hmm. i mean it's not hollywood so it's different it'll flash to godzilla and then flash to the military and then flash to the building he's destroying and it'll do that for five minutes Mm -hmm. uh, before it moves on and it's just difficult to sit through and watch without being like all right skip ahead yeah or like the military scenes off or like you know that there's so many scenes that are just like the characters standing in a room talking about how godzilla is coming for like 10 minutes i think it's in godzilla raids again where they go into like godzilla's backstory but not so much the like uh, nuclear backstory but like the dinosaur backstory and it's just Pretty, just a pretty sort of bizarre, like there's a paleontologist there and he's talking about Ankylosaurus, which is definitely not the monster that Godzilla is fighting, but they say that it is. It's just very, like, why even have that in there? Mm -hmm. So the practical effects, I don't know. It's so, it's incredible to watch and think about that they, what they created to make these movies, the miniature sets. And the people in the suits, the very sort of extremely heavy, hot, uncomfortable suits that these people had to be in to make these movies. But just an incredible sort of production value in that, I think, that they created these miniature cities. Yeah, I guess one of the questions I would have is, like, was that scary at the time? Well, like, people talk about in, like, sort of these early movies how... You know, it was something that people had never seen before. Mm -hmm. And we get so used to sort of big, scary monsters destroying cities and whatever because they're in movies all the time. Right. And so it's like, you know, you never watch one of those movies and you're never actually afraid. Mm -hmm. But maybe it was very scary to, like, see this monster stomping around and destroying towns. I don't know. It must have been very dramatic at the time. Yeah. There were a bunch of very strange movies of movies that are strange and creepy especially in retrospect early movies the cabinet of dr caligari i think is how you pronounce it but anyway that's like an early weird horror movie that's probably not very fun to watch but very weird and creepy and the set design is very creepy so horror movies have certainly evolved to go along with our desensitization but it wasn't too far. I mean, some of these movies, the, the further we get in our marathon that we will continue, mm-hmm. the the closer we're getting to modern horror. You know, we're gonna we're gonna overlap and continue from the original Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the thirteenth and all of those sort of classic horror movies that were scary and are still scary to some extent. So I guess that kind of gets a little muddied, but I think the real 
one of the overarching scary aspects of it was the the original movie. There, we'll do a little history lesson for the people listening. The original Godzilla movie came out in 1954. It came out as this like allegory and metaphor for the horrors of nuclear war and the fallout of nuclear war. So there was there was sort of the big monster destroying the city, scary aspect to it. But then also, you know, in the 50s, this idea of nuclear war and what that could mean. So it's a really interesting movie to watch, I think, with those goggles on as well. The first one. And then after that, (laughs) maybe, well, no, certainly more in Godzilla Raids again. Then they get into King Kong versus Godzilla, which is like the first very silly Godzilla movie that has really nothing to do with that metaphor. But then in Mothra versus Godzilla, which is the next one, it's very blatant on your nose. This is why nuclear weapons are so bad. This is the potential fallout from that kind of thing. That's a long-winded um, response to the idea of horror mo- of this being a horror movie. What else? Do you want to talk about the original King Kong versus Godzilla? Oh, man. It was real rough to watch. <laughs> Yeah, it's the it's third. It's so weird. It's, it's so weird yeah. and like it's just weird. It's weird. It's like I said it's the first sort of silly take on yeah. Godzilla and then they backtrack a little bit and then it gets silly. They didn't like sometimes the directors changed but sometimes the directors the same and it's sort of like from year to year they didn't know which way they wanted Godzilla to go. So King Kong versus Godzilla is a very silly movie. And is the most problematic one we've watched so far. There's a lot of blackface in the movie, mm-hmm. like right off the bat. And they go to... Or like brown face, Kong, I guess. Yeah, it's when like they go to Kong's Island, I don't know. More it's, like, it. yeah, it's, you know, this indigenous community. Yeah, that on they're, Kong's Island, they yeah. worship Kong, but it's, you know, it's Japanese actors with... In brown face. Yeah. And it's just... It's hard to watch that now, knowing certainly how offensive it was and yeah. is. Yeah, um, it's not. It's one of those things where people would try to use time as the scapegoat for it, but certainly time should not be used as a scapegoat for that kind. Of, it was always problematic and always wrong to do. So it's very yes, it's hard to watch. But yeah. most of the movie is also. I'm not diminishing that problem because it's certainly a problem in cinema. But a lot of the movie is also hard to watch for various reasons. Okay, so they get... I just want to go into this movie a little bit more because the, because actually the movie that we watched last night, the new Godzilla versus Kong, pays homage to the, the original, original King Kong versus Godzilla in a, in a couple ways. of different ways that we're going to talk about. So they take Kong from the island and they bring him to fight Godzilla for some reason. It's pretty, I guess, to stop... Either way, they start destroying it. But the main thing I want to focus on with that movie, they had to amp Kong up to be able to face Godzilla. It couldn't be the same King Kong that had been in movies up until that point. So they made this rule, this really bizarre rule, that electricity makes Kong stronger. So they say that... They say those words a couple of times in the movie, and then they use electricity to juice Kong up so that he can fight Godzilla. And it was always like a, 
it was actually always like a, I don't know if you'd call it an urban legend or whatever, that in the American version of King Kong versus, it's another one where there's two versions. There's the Japanese version and there's the American version. And it was always like an urban legend that in the American version, King Kong won, but even the Japanese version, Godzilla won. I don't, I think that has, that has like been disproven or debunked or whatever. But in the one we watched, Kong quote unquote wins. Um, but we get Godzilla sequels, so you know it's yeah. whatever. Uh, so light, so electricity makes Kong stronger. And what else? Did you like anything about this movie? I think the that one was credits roll. That one was the hardest one to be entertained by. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, it was just kind of bad. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into uh, 2021's. Godzilla versus Kong. I want to ask up front, Lorelai, going into this, we had watched Godzilla King of Monsters, which is the, the I guess, prequel to this movie. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if we watched the original, the new original Godzilla movie together. I don't think we did. But anyway, going into this... I also hardly remember the last one. It had Millie Bobby Brown in it. I know. It had my second... And Kyle Chandler. It had my second favorite Godzilla bad guy in it which we'll get to later should have watched it again uh it's it's fun actually something we're also going to talk about is i think going from godzilla the new one and then godzilla king of monsters to godzilla versus kong i'm going to show my hand here a little bit but they get progressively better and that's something i'm really excited for going forward like we watched godzilla versus kong and i was kind of blown away by how much I was enjoying it. I knew I would have fun because I love these monster kaiju movies, but I really think that I just really liked this movie. I think it's good. But yeah, they've they've gotten better over the three uh, for various reasons that we'll discuss. But anyway, going into Godzilla vs. Kong, how did you feel going into it, having participated in some of this marathon <laughs> and watched maybe some of the new ones? Were you excited um, for it? Or were you like, oh no, another Godzilla movie? Or I just kind of... I was pretty neutral about it. I mean, it's, you know, I get excited for some movies to come out. I wasn't, like, super excited for this one. I was super excited. I, I mean, I knew it was happening because Joey blocked out our entire March in our calendar for watching Godzilla movies. Yeah, we didn't quite was, make it. it featured prominently in our calendar and the few days leading up to it. So I knew it was coming out, but like, it's not something I would normally keep track of, but like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just watching a movie. Fun to watch. Yeah. I'm, I want to shout out to, I listened to shouting into the voids podcast episode about Godzilla versus Kong before it, before the movie came out, they had an episode about sort of their anticipation and what they'd like to see. And it's almost like the studio was listening and made the exact movie that those guys said they didn't want to see. Oh, that's funny. So I'm going to talk about how much I loved everything they did, but I'm super excited to hear what Shouting Into the Void has to say about it when they see it. So anyway, um, don't want to get bogged down by the plot, but I do want to jump right into... Heaven forbid we get bogged down by a plot in, in a, a movie. In a monster movie. We could talk about it. I, don't, I no, mean, whatever. It's fine. They're monitoring Kong at a monarch station. There wasn't nearly enough, like, monarch stuff in this movie, and it featured heavily in the last movie, which I thought was really nice. I mean, Friday Night Lights guy 
barely yeah, had anything favorite. to do in this movie. Yeah. And he was my favorite part of the last movie besides Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. Because he played one of my favorite characters in a movie, which is guy that definitely knows he's in a movie. <laughs> you know, he's he just had like a very meta character, which I which is exactly what I want from these movies. I want like one person to be there being like, What are you talking about? Like Monarch is like, we need to protect the Titans and it's the natural balance of the world. And he's like, What are what do you mean? Like, we should obviously kill them all. They're destroying the planet and they killed my son. It's just like this very meta, like he's watching the movie with us, but he's in the movie. And I love that. And I wish that they had translated that over to this movie. But what about Millie Bobby Brown, Brian Tyree Henry? And Julian Dennison. What a fun little trio. Little tree. I mean, yeah, they were funny. Brian Henry plays this conspiracy theorist. I mean, whatever. He plays this podcaster, conspiracy theorist <laughs> podcaster who has infiltrated Apex Technologies, which is a company. What even was their, their, like, their goal in the public's eye? I don't even remember, actually. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they're a they're a nefarious company. He plays this conspiracy theorist podcaster that has like infiltrated them by by working for them. And so he's a really fun character. And I don't think we necessarily needed this storyline in the movie. Like I I was I just I think I would have preferred it if the A plot was the monsters and Monarch, and the B plot was the bad guys, and we would get more like Monarch versus Apex kind of thing going on, and we'd get more. What's Friday Night Lights guy's name? Kyle Chandler. We get more. Taylor. We'd get more Kyle Chandler, and we could still have Millie Bobby Brown and all that stuff. But I, so I don't think we necessarily needed this, but it was very fun. And the, I, they were the like lighthearted. Comic, comic relief, relief sure, right? which you which, which you could have also had, but it it was it didn't really do anything extra, but it was super fun, and I love Julian Dennison. I just want him to see. I want to see him in more stuff. Yeah, overall, yeah. I mean, Millie Bobby Brown's great too, and Brian Tyree Henry. I we were watching it, and I was like, "Who? I know this guy's voice. He's done voice acting. He's Jefferson Morales." Uh, from Inter- Into the Spider-Verse, which was great. I think he's. I think they're all really great. I'd love to see them all more. It was just kind of, I don't know, sometimes awkward in this movie. And so part of the story is if they remove Kong from the Monarch monitoring base, Godzilla will find him, which they set up in the last movie. Like, Godzilla is the king of the Titans and he's going to fight another alpha. So they remove Kong and Godzilla attacks. So, Lorelai, I guess that's a good segue into this. You were talking about, like, the production value and the practical effects in the old movies. And this is obviously a huge juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. But these movies look amazing. Yeah. Right? I thought it looked This one really in good. particular, yeah. I think, compared, even compared to the last two, mm-hmm. because they, they did so much more than just the CGI. Yeah. I mean, Hong Kong looked incredible yeah. when they went to Hong Kong at night and all the like different colored lights and the neon lights and everything. It was just this incredible, again, sort of pop art, very visually attractive 
the CGI of Godzilla and Kong, but then Godzilla lights up and it's blue, but then you have the pink and yellow lights of Hong Kong. It looked incredible. So you want to talk about the CGI? I mean, I don't know. You kind of wrapped, you kind of, you kind of summed it up there. I'm talking too much. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I think it did look incredible compared, I mean, especially compared to the historical films, Mm -hmm. but like that's to be expected. But I think these movies are like, above and beyond what you would expect to see in sort of comparable action. You know, a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie, they really kind of go above and beyond what you might expect in terms of how good they look and how... It's not even that it's more realistic. It's just that, you know, you can watch the whole movie and not notice anything. Like, you don't notice, oh, Kong is, like, doing a weird thing or, like, oh... Godzilla's tail is really awkward, you know, yeah, or yeah. like whatever. There's strings I know. <laughs> in Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Yeah. You can see the strings on him. But, you know, even I think in modern movies today, there are some movies where you're watching the action and something just feels off and it's hard to really put your finger on it. Or there's like moments where you're like, oh, that was ugly. Yeah. Like that didn't really work. And it really takes you out of the movie. Um, And that doesn't really happen in this movie. It's just, like, very continuous and always looks good. So Mm -hmm. it's more immersive in that way. I I think immersive is a great way to describe it. And something that they did in this movie that they've done a little bit in the other two, but not as much, is set a lot of it during the day. So I think a lot of times to cover up those distracting qualities of new CGI. They film it at night, or they set it at night, I should say, or they film it really quickly so you can't quite grasp it. And this movie did none of that, and it just looked phenomenal. Even the scenes during the day, where you could, where you're just able to see more. Uh, There was so much action during the day, and it just looked so good. So. In our marathon, Lorelai, we had not gotten to any of the movies with, spoiler alert again, Mechagodzilla. (laughs) Mechagodzilla was created as a Godzilla deterrent. Obviously, things go wrong and it becomes this villain, which is a very similar thing that happens in this movie. I don't want to keep asking what you think, but I want you to talk to me about Mechagodzilla. (laughs) How is that? How's that a good leeway into that? Okay. Um... I think it's a villain that makes a lot of sense. Like, it's only, it's honestly kind of natural that some crazy human would be like, oh, I'm going to make my own Godzilla that's going to be capable of destroying the real Godzilla, which was true. Mecha Godzilla would have killed Godzilla had Kong not been there in this movie. Well, yeah, spoiler alert for the end of the movie. Well, but we only said because that at the top of the episode. Only because Godzilla had fought and beat Kong. Yes. So I know, but then Mecha Godzilla comes around kicked and kicked his butt and probably or her butt. You're butt. right. Kicked their butt and also probably would have. I mean, they needed to work together to take down Mechagodzilla, right? That's the point. And so, you know, it's kind of logical that somebody would try to invent a Godzilla deterrent instead of just, like, accepting that humans are not the alpha of the planet. Yeah. 
you know? And that was the point that this guy makes a couple times is like, we're going to make humans the superior race again or whatever. I mean, they're called Apex. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it was, you know, it made a lot of sense. I think the way they worked it so that, like, it initially was, like, a little bit Pacific Rim-y where they had, like, the pilot that was controlling the monster through this, like, I don't know. Through weird connection. Yeah. That had a psionic link to King Ghidorah's skull. Yes. That acted as a supercomputer controlling this Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. Everyone, stay with us. Yes. <laughs> like, and I'm honestly super glad they didn't get into the details of that. They were just like, here's a dude wearing a helmet sitting in the skull that's controlling the monster. It's like, cool. Okay. Well, like, yeah. So if you had tried to explain that more, I would have been upset. It would have they, been annoying. They did so. explain it a little bit more, but it came from the sort of crackpot conspiracy theorist yeah. guy. So you're just kind of the whole it's movie, you're just funny. kind of like, okay. Yeah. But I think that's one of the, this whole movie, you have to kind of be like, okay, about, I mean, they go inside the earth and gravity it's, goes it's upside hollow down. It's earth, yes. Like, it's the whole, honestly, I think they just went for it. Like, none of this movie is believable, therefore all of it is believable. I think it's less believable when they try to put these monsters into a real context. Mm-hmm. It's like, just go all the way, don't try to make it real. Yeah. You know, instead of being like, oh, well, how would we, like, you know, you know, it's like, you know, they keep shooting the monsters with guns, it never works. Yeah, right. Just give up already. Like, and in some ways, this movie, they kind of gave up on that. They're like, we're obviously not going to control this monster with regular technology. We have to create this fantasy tech that's like, kind of, I mean, it's kind of cool. And then it obviously takes over, which we all saw coming. So, I don't know. I think it was like a very, it was both unbelievable and very believable. Yeah, if that it's, makes sense. A, it's a fun, again, very immersive movie that you can sit down and just be in. Yeah. You know what? You 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 made me realize that I think Julian Dennison's character might be my guy who knows he's in a movie. Yeah. He kind he's, of is. He's sort he's of like, the only voice of reason yeah. in the whole thing, even though it's 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 comedic against the conspiracy theory guy when yeah. in like any other context it would be like, no, this kid is like, yeah, that kid. Yeah, I mean from the get-go, Millie Bobby Brown's character, I don't even know her name. What's her name? <sighs> you told me I wouldn't need to access anything over Sorry. here. Well, just don't Google it. It's fine. Madison, Madison Russell. Okay. So she, she's like totally sold into this guy's conspiracy theory, which turns out is true. Yeah. Kind of. But like <laughs> it, from the get go, um, what Josh is, is Julian Dennison's character. So yeah, Josh. So Josh shows up with his brother's van and Millie Bobby Brown's like, great, we're going to take this to go meet this conspiracy theorist podcaster. Yep. And he's like, this is a terrible idea. And it was a terrible idea. Like, it was a bad idea. He says... <laughs> He's the one who They tells just the taught t- us about this. and We just had a, an assembly about this. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're going to meet a stranger from the internet. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it's pretty funny. I think you're right that he is the guy. <laughs> and then he... <laughs> When he's like, hold on, let me just hack into this computer. And it's like, he's just guessing. Guessing the passwords, yeah. Which is like, it's it's very, he's the most realistic character. He's like, he's honestly the part that kind of takes you out of the movie a little bit because he's not sold into the whole fantasy world. But it's like a nice little, I enjoyed that. He's the guy. He's the 
guy who knows he's in a movie guy. And I love that. And I love him. I do too. He is kind of getting to the point where he's playing the same character in a lot of these action movies where he's like the kind of funny kid who like does goofy stuff like this movie and Deadpool and like, you know, well, becoming sort of. I don't know. I guess I would disagree with that in that he's he's really playing a lot of ranges. He's always the funny kid, but he's always got this very, I think, emotional range. In Deadpool, he starts as the villain and then goes through this journey and comes out the other side. It's mm-hmm. a very sort of heartfelt story. I mean, Hunt for the Wilder People is yeah, just that's an incredible movie. Yeah, he's the main character. Yeah, but... it's just an amazing, amazing movie, and he it shows off his range. And it might be his first movie, I'm not sure, but he's the, yeah, he's Kiwi. He's always going to be this quirky, funny mm-hmm. kid. But yeah. it's just so much fun. So I thought... I really, going into this movie, I thought that the Godzilla we were seeing throughout most of the movie was going to end up being Mechagodzilla. Hmm. That they had, like, outfitted in this skin to make it look like Godzilla, and that's why he was attacking Kong and going kind of crazy and all this stuff. Not the case, though. Uh, The real Mechagodzilla was in a warehouse trying to be controlled by a dude through Ghidorah as a supercomputer. So, I was wrong. (laughs) Okay, so I was talking about them bringing some stuff from the original Godzilla or King Kong versus Godzilla into this one. There's a couple of scenes like when they're airlifting Kong uh, to Antarctica. Um, that's very reminiscent of them taking Kong in, in the original movie. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing, as I was talking about before, was the electricity makes Kong stronger thing, which was such a ridiculous, absurd nonsense thing to add. But I think they play around with it a little bit here in that Godzilla defeats Kong and Kong is dying. And by the way, the the little girl in the movie who plays the deaf girl that has a connection with Kong and teaches mm-hmm. him to sign and stuff, she's incredible. I loved that whole part of the story. But anyway, Kong is dying and she wants them to save him. And one of the main characters uses their hollow earth spaceship to shock Kong's heart, like defibrillate him back. Which isn't how hearts work. <laughs> yeah. By just the way. because you're dying and your heart is stopping. It's defibrillate. It's, yeah. <laughs> so um but anyway, I thought that was sort of a fun little nod to electricity making Kong stronger, whatever they yeah. said in the first movie. So we talked about them using Ghidorah's Head. We're rushing through this. This is really good. I'd love to keep talking about this, but we want to keep these episodes short. Ghidorah is my second favorite Godzilla villain. My first favorite Godzilla villain, I think, got a little bit of credit in this movie and the last movie, and I'm really excited to see this happen. So in uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, they use a weapon called the Oxygen Destroyer to to take out Godzilla and Ghidorah and whoever else is around. In the original 1954 film, they use the Oxygen Destroyer to kill Godzilla. And it was created by a scientist called Dr. Sarazawa. In this movie, the guy with the psionic link to Mechagodzilla is named Sarazawa. So, I'm almost certain they're going with the Oxygen Destroyer Destroya. Root. I think my favorite Godzilla movie 
is Godzilla versus Destroya, and that Destroya is a monster created by the Oxygen Destroyer. So, on top of liking this movie so much, I'm really excited for that next one to happen. And as I've said, I really enjoy the trajectory of these movies. I think they're getting better as it goes on, and that would just be the ultimate for me. But I also think that's a fun little thing. They brought up the Oxygen Destroyer last movie, and then they they mention, well, they have a character named Sarazawa in this movie, and it's a fun little sort of Easter egg progression. Lorla, you have not seen Godzilla vs. Destroya? No. It is so good. It's not in our collection, it's right? It's not in our collection. It's a later Godzilla movie. But he they they played on this a little bit in the last movie, too, where Godzilla has absorbed too much atomic energy and he's having a nuclear meltdown, basically. And so there's all of that and the emotional toll of Godzilla being destroyed, having this nuclear meltdown. And he's also fighting this awesome monster that was created from the original Godzilla's death. It's just incredible. It's a really good film. So anyway, that being said, I'm excited to see where this goes. I can't wait for them to use Destroya. Something that wasn't in this movie that has been in the last few was an end credit scene. There's no end credit scene, so we don't know where they're going next, which is sad. Did you like this movie overall? Yeah, I enjoyed watching it. I think, you know, as a geologist, it's a little bit hard to watch a film featuring a hollow Earth with upside-down gravity, which is also not how gravity works. But that's, you know, it was part of the experience. And, like, like, it's the the whole thing is so unbelievable that it makes it more believable. So I think, yeah, I enjoyed watching it. It was entertaining i didn't get bored which i sometimes do in it's, yeah. actiony movies or that's you know the only thing happening but yeah i thought it was good here's a more serious question do you think that this is normalizing these oh i don't know how to say it these conspiracy theories like the hollow earth fluoride in the drinking water uh, no i mean i think you like to put a lot of weight on these movies is like, oh, it's teaching us something. It's like, if you're getting your information from Godzilla versus Kong, there's not much I can do to help you. Yeah. Like, you know, like, but like pop culture influences a lot and it, it normalizes a lot. And... I don't think it normalizes anything. I think it was very obviously making fun of the conspiracy theorist podcaster. He was like, obviously so kooky. Yeah. He made this, you know, he was like, you tap or bottled or whatever he said and then you know uh julian dennison's character is like what (laughs) and she was like don't worry i don't drink tap water and he was like i do and he was like i could tell yeah like it's obviously making fun of people who think fluoride is bad in drinking water um so i don't put a lot of i don't put a lot of weight on these sorts of things because like facts are not how you convince people that conspiracy theories are wrong Like, these people have all the facts they need. If they're going to watch this movie and be like, oh, look, it's normalizing this. Like, that's, tell you know, if the movie hadn't mentioned that, it was, you know, it's not as important. I don't think it's that important. Yeah. I think it was funny. And, like, it contributed to, like, the fantasy and the conspiracy of the whole thing. Well, all right. Good answer. Thanks. I also think that this movie has one of the strangest soundtracks I've ever ever heard oh, really? with the back in the backdrop of I didn't sort really of notice it any I movie guess. or especially a monster movie it opens with us being introduced to Kong and the song over the mountain and across the sea is playing 
which just was so weird to me. It's like this very love longing song. And my immediate thought was like, are Godzilla and Kong going to make out? (laughs) To which I say, we talked about movies normalizing or not normalizing stuff, but come on, just like normalize friendships. Have people and monsters be able to be friends without <laughs> some sort of romantic friends. inclination? I don't. I think you might be the only person who got a <laughs> romantic was, inclination out of that. It was a really saw, weird way to start okay, the movie. I with. thought it was kind of funny. I thought it was meant to be funny. Like, oh, we all missed Kong over the last how long has it been since there was a Kong so, movie? Wow, so weird. And I don't it, know. It I ends with there the was air that I breathe. No romance involved in any of this movie. There were many good friendships, like between the little girl and Kong. There's like, oh yeah, that's there's great. a lot of good. I, and then Godzilla and Kong at the end fight together. And it's a, they shake hands. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think... There were lots of good monster friendships in this movie Uh and no romantic undertones whatsoever in any part of any. Like, I think they very easily could have tried to make Millie Bobby Brown's character have a love interest because she's, what, 16 in this movie or something, which in Hollywood's mind is like, oh, she obviously has to be sexualized if she's 16 years old. No, they could have easily made like her her and Julian Dennison. Yeah, or probably not him because he's the goofy weirdo, but like, you know, some like... goofy weirdos are fine. I Well, not for Hollywood. (laughs) So, you know, they very easily could have inserted like a hot military like soldier character and she falls and like they could have done that and they didn't oh, so they'll there was, certainly do it in the next one I'm, friday night I'm, lights dad will be like they're my daughter yeah so but the fact that they haven't done that in yeah. this movie i think there was not an ounce of romance which is usually how these movies like do the lighthearted comedy is like they insert weird romance into it uh-huh. and they didn't do it and it was great so yeah i agree it ends with the air that I breathe, though, again on Kong. Very, just really, I think, strange. <sighs> okay, we're running a bit late. I want to, like I said, I want to keep these short. There's so much more to say about this movie. I'd love to go into, like, the more plot details and some of the monster stuff that I sort of had a problem with and the Hollow Earth, you know, that sort of Kong's new kingdom type thing. But But then his little throne got destroyed. Yeah, and so that's sad. another, like, Godzilla just happened to be at the exact right spot to use his atomic breath to get exactly into the hollow earth where they were. Anyway, there's a lot more to talk about. Maybe we'll continue our marathon and have another discussion at some point. But anyway, we both give Godzilla versus Kong a 10 out of 10, I'd say, speaking thumbs for both of us. <laughs> Two thumbs way up. It's a lot of fun. I love Godzilla movies. Okay, so that's episode two of Boring Conversations Anyway. What did you think, Lorelai? Did you have fun Yeah. recording this? Mm-hmm. So fun, right? So fun. Little mini episodes. Yeah. If you'd like to get in touch with us, let us know how these mini episodes are doing. Anything you'd want to hear us talk about or whatever. Rate or review wherever you're listening. Reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at KryptonAlderon. Shoot us an email at KryptonAlderon at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And we'll just keep pumping these little mini episodes out. And that's the show. I've been Joey. I've been Lorelai. And this has been Boring Boring Conversations Conversations Anyway. A Krypton to Alderaan production. Krypton to Alderaan. Krypton to Alderaan. Bye.